Welcome to the Foot and Ankle Project, where we stride into the world of foot and ankle pain, function, and performance. I'm your host, Tim Pargeter. In each episode, we dive into expert insights, athlete stories, and helpful solutions for those seeking improvement of their pain and performance. I hope you enjoy and share. Hello and welcome back to the Foot and Ankle Project. This is the 14th episode of the project and we are coming off the back of our most listened to episode, which was episode 13. We had our first guest for the podcast and it was Macaulay Jones. He was speaking about his recent 100-mile ultra trail race at Mount Kosciuszko, which took place in December last year. He placed fourth. Uh, He ran phenomenally. I was fortunate enough to be a part of his support crew on the day and I had a really great time there but also had a really great time with that conversation. So it's had some really positive feedback uh, as such to being our most popular episode yet. So if you haven't listened to that one, I would highly recommend that you go back and listen to episode 13. And given the popularity of that episode, it's going to guide today's episode and the topic I'm going to be talking about. So, what I will talk about today or what I'm going to talk about is my biggest takeaways as a podiatrist supporting a 100-miler runner. Now, the reason that I'm talking about this is because what I think was one of the biggest takeaways from that for not only myself but also people who have provided feedback and listened to was the style of his training, uh, and also the mindset that he had around that. So that's what we're going to be chatting about today. So um, what I what Macaulay did during during his preparation leading up to the race, which was around 10 months of preparation leading into the race, which I think is a really important thing to get your head around in that the race was in December of last year um, and he found himself a coach and had a training program from 12 months out. Now, I think that if we could get people onto some more guided training and to actually give yourself a chance to prepare for whatever race you're preparing for, the likelihood of you achieving what you want to achieve in terms of time, times of racing, you know, reducing injury risk, having low injury numbers uh, is usually much more achievable when you give yourself a bigger timeline to try and achieve the goal. Coming in, you know, and saying, oh, in six, six weeks' time, I want to complete my first marathon or, or whatever it might be may not necessarily be the best way to actually approach it. And so what I think was really great to hear was just the amount of time that he spent leading up to the event to get his body prepared. And, you know, he mentioned in the podcast that it, it takes patience because 10 months is a long time to try and lead up into that. Uh, but it also means that you need to trust the process of your training. And his training style, which was led by his running coach by the name of Blake Hose, uh, was entirely heart rate heart rate based training. So, you know, he was setting out and and, and doing his uh, you know six or seven days a week of training, running training in and around his his supercar racing, of course, and all of that racing. All of that running, sorry, was based on heart rate zones, which was set by set by Blake. So there was a distance for the for the day, and then there was a heart rate that he needed to have it as consistent or below of. And the reason that he found that to be really beneficial, and and when he actually ran 
on the race day, he only looked at his heart rate. He didn't actually look at his distances, which was, you know, extremely interesting, was that there was a lot of carryover into a long race like that. Now, as I'm sure you can imagine, when you're running 165 kilometers, you're not trying to run at your threshold for the whole time. And so leading up to the race, of course, his training was to try and mimic that. And so he had to do a lot of slow, steady state running work, which I'm sure would have been frustrating because it would have been slower than he would have liked to been going but what he found and and what we saw was that during the race I think he averaged around seven minute kilometers was that he was able to hold that nice and consistently and his heart rate stayed very consistent through the race simply because he spent a lot of his time training at that zone leading into the miler so that's that was a really important takeaway because I think what we tend to do a lot is that when we're out there running we say right I want to go for a 10k run today I'm going to base you know, this run on a particular speed for the day. Um, And, you know, what we tend to find is that your heart rate can vary based on a number of factors of the day. It could be how well did you sleep the night before? How stressed are you at work today? Are you having, you know, is there any emotional stress at the moment? Is is your food and, and, and hydration as good as it could be? Because you running 10 kilometers one day and feeling really good could change into running 10 kilometers the next day and not feeling so good. So instead of saying, right, I want to go out today and I'm going to run, you know, a 55 minute 10K, which would be 530 pace, you might say, okay, I'm going to go and run a 10 kilometer today, but I'm going to maintain a, a zone two heart rate. Now, what you'll find is that you need to forget about your pace because it could mean that one day you need to run slower than what you have previously to try and maintain that heart rate. Uh, as opposed to it being, you know, slightly higher, just trying to maintain the pace. So it's a really interesting training style. And we tend to see it a little bit transferred over into weight training these days as well. Uh, And that is where instead of prescribing weights for people, we actually base it on what we would call RPE, which is rate of perceived exertion. So it could be, you know, doing three sets of 10 squats and instead of prescribing a weight to it, it could be three sets of 10 squats at seven RPE um, and, you know, 10 being the hardest RPE, one being the easiest. So heart rate training is is a very similar concept to that uh, and it's certainly something that I'm going to be introducing a bit more to my training uh, because I think it's a good way to actually listen to your body uh, and know that, hey, I'm actually not feeling great in the legs today and my heart rate is telling me that I'm that I'm not performing overly well today. So I think that that was a really massive takeaway uh, and something that for the runners out there, I think it would be a really good thing for you to have a bit of an experiment with is to say, right, if I was to base my training on heart rate for the week, you know, you might be able to go slightly faster or, or you will have to go slightly slower than you expect, but it's actually about listening to how your body's feeling on the day. So I think that that was uh, probably one of the biggest takeaways for me as a a clinician, but also as a runner, um, just listening to Macaulay and the style of training that he did leaning into the race. The next big takeaway was injury management. Now in the podcast, um, what I suggested is that, you know, Mac is extremely robust and he had very little injury or anything leading into the race. I think that has a lot to do with himself in terms of how well he recovers. He focuses on sleep and nutrition and, you know, listening to his training guide and having a coach and those sort of things. So that was fortunate at my end. But the general advice that came about was, you know, you're likely going to have a niggle. 
whilst you're training for this. This wasn't during the race. If the symptoms are less than three out of 10, happy for you to continue. If it progresses from there, go and get some treatment, have a bit of a reduction in the running for a few days, and then we can get back into it based on how you're feeling. Now, what was interesting about this is that he had 10 months to prepare. So if we had six, you know, if we were six months out and then we're battling a niggle and it meant that he had to miss one or two runs, but he knew that he was playing the long game of not pushing in that short term to then miss out on further training down the track, then he had some good wins with that because it wasn't like, oh, I've got a bit of a niggle. It's it's sort of building, but I'm just going to continue running through it. It was no, I know that I need to get this sorted now because it's it's a long way to get me to where I need to be. So missing a few training sessions in the short term to try and win in the long term was a really positive mindset. And I think that that's a great way to think about it is that, you know, not every run is a race and you're not going to have a race tomorrow. There's time between what you need to do. So the, the, the other thing to think about too is that, you know, if you push your body to the point where you can't train, then, you know, the event that you're going for and the time and the goal and those sort of things will always be impacted by that. So I think that, you know, injuries during exercise, you know, there's an element of we can't always control it but we can certainly control our response to that. And so understanding that, hey, I'm just dealing with a bit of a niggle here, um, you know, it's manageable or, hey, it's not getting any better. I might need to go and seek out some treatment and some help for this. I don't need to keep going through this at the detriment of my future performance. We get it sorted now. You know, it's that short-term loss for long-term gain and, and keeping the vision on on the goal at the end. So that was the approach that Maka took. And, you know, I think that that was certainly a story that I'll be um, introducing into my clinic a lot just to get people to understand the mindset that, you know, niggles happen, looking after them is really important. Um, During the race, uh, Macaulay suffered from a tendonitis of his ankle. Um, He completed about 180,000 steps over the 20 hours of the race. So it's about 90,000 repetitions on one foot, which causes a lot of friction at the front of the ankle. Now, uh, I was there on the day. I didn't necessarily do any treatment, but what I did do was I assessed the ankle. We there was some swelling in the area. the The hypothesis at the time was that hey, this is this is a tendonitis. It's not necessarily that you've done uh, an injury, rolled the ankle, or anything like that. Um, I believe that you're going to get through this, and that was enough for him to say, "Sweet, okay, we're cleared, we're ready to go, and we can keep going." Now, not everyone has the ability to have an allied health practitioner with them when they're when they're running or when they're doing something. Um, but what we noticed with Macaulay is that, you know, he said, "Oh, the, my ankle's playing up a little bit." And the first question I said was, "You know, have you had a fall? Have you landed on it funny? Is there anything that's gone on?" His answer was no. So we can sort of rule out, you know. There's no, there's no bone fracture. There's nothing like that. Um, I palpated and located the area to know that this is more of a soft tissue tendon irritation. Um, and then we just had to put two and two together and say, you know, can, do you feel like you can keep going and make it to the next checkpoint? And the answer was yes, I think it's okay. To, again, we checked in with each checkpoint. Thankfully, this was at the back end of the race. But it's just trying to have that mindset of, uh, you know, can we fill you with a bit of confidence to, to keep you moving forward? Is there anything that I can do right now that's actually going to benefit your race? Probably not based on the presentation here. It wasn't something that I could stabilize for him with tape. It wasn't anything that I could adjust in his footwear in terms of heel raises or intersoles or anything like that. It was, this is a, a repetition-based injury. Um, and thankfully, it is, it's cleared up, um, which it did about, 
oh, three weeks, three to four weeks post race. So that was a nice, a nice thing just to think about for me, even as a clinician, is to know right what can we actually do and how can we impact someone on the spot. And for Macaulay, it was just mindset to say, hey, this is okay for now. I know it's hurting. I know it sucks. Can you continue? Yes, no. Uh, the answer was yes at the time, and to which it just filled him with enough confidence to say. I'm going to get to the end of the race and this isn't going to impact on, you know, the future of my ankle. So um, just giving some confidence to someone at the time with the best of your ability based on what you have in front of you was, was you know, the way that we got him through the race. So that was a really big takeaway for me as a clinician to know that, you know, I don't always need to do something physical. We can, we can just provide that presence and confidence uh, to know that we can make a really positive difference. So that was a great takeaway. Uh what I did see as I was crewing for Macaulay um, was how dialed in he had his nutrition uh, and hydration. So he in took only carb drink and carb gels, a little bit of Coca-Cola uh, and a few lollies throughout the day. He wasn't able to have solids, which was just his individual um, plan and how he was feeling for the day. But what was really important is that he was utilizing a technique that he had trained for for many months leading into the race. So the brand of gel he was using, the brand of carb drink he was using, the amount of gel and the amount of carb drink he was using was all something that he had trained for leading into the race. It wasn't, right, here we go on the day. This is the first time I'm having this. This is the first time I'm having the gel. It's I have utilized this strategy multiple times leading into the race so I know exactly how my gut's going to respond I know exactly the flavor of it. I know that my body can handle it and I know that I respond well. Many times have I heard of people entering endurance races and it's the first time that they are utilizing their nutrition and hydration strategy. Now, I'm not a dietitian and I'm not a nutritionist, but there is an element of testing your routine prior to you doing an endurance race. So if there's any advice that I give to any one of my clients who are going for these longer distance races, it's leading into it. Please trial the brand Find a brand that works for you. Utilize that technique and strategy before you actually do the race so that you know that you can tolerate it as well as you possibly can leading into it. Now, you know, guts and these sort of things tend to be irritable for over these long distances. Uh, so going in with, you know, something that you can tolerate before the race is always a really good starting point as opposed to introducing something to your gut that, you know, it's never, it's never had before is super risky. It can, it can, it can end your day or stop you from having, you know, making you go to the toilet all the time. So pre-testing on nutrition, absolutely vital. And I think that if you can, if you are heading into more of an endurance style race, please know exactly what you're going to have. Uh, and, and for Macaulay, um, he utilized, uh, precision and it just worked really well for him. But again, he, he was testing it before. So he would go on his long runs and he was having, you know, a carb, a carb gel every 20 minutes with drink going in, uh, during the race, he went on a little bit more intuition, but because he'd had months of training and his body knew exactly what it needed, he was able to implement with that strategy. And it, it really went to plan, which was phenomenal for him, but all to do with the way that he prepared, which was excellent. Uh, finally, my, my probably a, another one from the biggest takeaway other than the heart rate training was just mindset. And, you know, mindset is, it's a really interesting thing because, you know, looking to train mindset or, or to improve the mindset or, or anything like that, it's, it's, it's a tricky one. Um, and as a clinician, 
generally helping people with injuries and and you know trying to get them back doing what they love there there is a lot of mindset involved in that in that people are generally unhappy when they're not doing what they're doing and so to try and move them and and sort of improve their injury to get them back doing what they they love can have an impact on you know their happiness which is which is really important to remember now the big mindset thing that came out of the the chat with Macaulay and supporting him for the 100 miler was basically there was two big concepts. The first concept was do the work and doing the work for him was doing the training, listening to the coach, listening to the rehab, doing exactly as he needed to try and get the outcome. And and the way that he thought about it was to control the controllables. Now that was control the controllables during the race, which was, you know, there's only so many things that I can do here, but it was also have I done as much as I possibly could leading into the race to try and get the outcome that I wanted and the answer for him was yes. And he had a very smooth race, which was phenomenal. Uh, and the reason that I that it, it, it just really hit for me is that, you know, it comes in all facets. Whether you're recovering from an injury, whether you're, you know, wanting to do the work it takes to try and, you know, do the race that you want to do, doing the work is what it comes down to and showing up consistently. So, you know, one of the things that I see in the clinical room is the diligence with rehabilitation and just sticking to a plan. Um, of course, you know, things pop up in life and, and the flexibility to try and do these things is always really challenging. But that was the big takeaway with Macca is that he just consistently was able to show up and do the work and he had a really great outcome. So uh, that was not only the mindset for his prep, but he also carried that through into all the aspects of, you know, doing the rehab, doing the prehab, doing the training. And during the race, it was, you know, his, his mantra was chop, chop wood, carry water, which was, you know, I'm going to continually do the work no matter what. Um, the other mindset for him was to just, you know, feel where his feet was uh, and to really enjoy the process of doing the race. So it allowed him to, you know, focus on what he's doing right now and the questions he would ask himself is, you know, am I hydrated? Is the nutrition? How is my body feeling? What can I focus on? Which really just brings the focus away from, man, this is really hurting, <laughs> um, uh, hurting the legs, hurting the lungs, etc. cetera. Uh, and am I doing what I need to to get me to the end? So those mindset takeaways were were really, really interesting. Uh, and, and like he said in the podcast, you know, the mindset and, and the thought process behind doing what he's doing sometimes can be more important than the training because the training doesn't get done unless you get out there and do it. And so uh, Macaulay, I think, has a really great ability to just rein that in and know that he will do the work and he will do what it takes. Uh, and, and that was just so refreshing and great to hear because it just carries over into so many different themes, um, whether it be whilst you're recovering from an injury, whether it be whilst you're during a run or, whether, or a walk or whatever it may be, just focusing on doing the work that, was, that is required um, was, was a massive takeaway. So... Those are my big takeaways um, from supporting Macaulay pre and during the race and, and even post as we recover from the race. Uh, and I think that, again, if you haven't listened to that podcast, please go back and have a listen now. It was it was a really great chat. And like I said, there's been some really positive feedback from that one. Uh, and then... We, I'm sure that I'll be touching base with Macaulay again as a guest into the future as he uh, dives into more events. Uh, and like I said, we will be getting more podcasts, uh, more guests onto the podcast, which is super exciting as well. So that is the podcast for today. Uh, I hope that you have a fantastic week and I will see and you'll hear from me next week. Thank you so much. 